Have you ever been told to keep your eye on the ball? Like that somehow or another, some magic piece of having a great golf swing? What if it's not? Let's tee it up. Welcome to Data Access Golf, your home for rapid golf improvement. And now, from the thin air of the Rocky Mountains, next on the number one tee, your host, Aaron Stewart. Hey everyone, Aaron Stewart, Data Access Golf, the podcast. I am back. I have, uh, I don't know, some of you may have seen it or not, but we launched an Instagram page, we launched a Facebook page. Um, a little bit bigger. There's more content and stuff going on there. I've actually been going live on Facebook this week, and uh, I actually did my first live on Instagram this week, and I've got all the experts out there, the digital, the young kid expert people pushing me to do all these things for the business, and um, it's, it's super, it's uncomfortable for a guy who's my age to be doing stuff like that. And I didn't like, so there's this whole concept of repurposing. They call it repurposing now in the digital age. So you go out and you do something and then they repurpose it. So for example, and I know this isn't about golf, but this is what they're trying to make me do. And it's not, it wasn't very comfortable. So they would have me do a Facebook live event, right? A Facebook live, which is essentially you go live and basically do this podcast on camera with a bunch of graphics and music and the whole thing. And they put together a really nice little thing and it, it looked great and it seemed to be okay. And, and um, going live, I, you know, they said, look, it's just like being on a podcast. And so I would just stare at a green light on the screen and basically do a podcast. But I also had to bring in all like some videos and different things. And, 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 and then they would, and then I'd get done or whatever and they'd play the outro and all this. And then they would take that audio and they would, they would uh, separate it from the video. So the, the live would stay on Facebook, but they would also export it instantly and would put it over on YouTube. So now you've got the same video in Facebook and on YouTube, and that's considered repurposing because there's, there's different people who hang out on Facebook and, and then there's different people who hang out on Facebook. But you've got the exact same, you know, it just seemed weird to me. Live is live and YouTube, they seem to be a little more you know, filmed and camera, you know, they do the whole camera and, and it's a little more instructional and uh, I don't know. It just seemed like they were two different platforms and they didn't quite jive as far as I was concerned, but maybe they do. I don't know. But what I really didn't like is when they stripped out the audio for the podcast and those who have been listening to the podcast probably had to hear this. And I apologize they would then go in and try to make that a podcast. Well, it's not a podcast. I mean, I'm talking about video. I'm talking about stuff that's on the screen. And as a podcast listener, that's unproductive. I mean, I, and so, and I'm just not smart enough to think about all the different audience at the same time. So, and frankly, podcasting is where I cut my teeth. So I told them that um, I'm not doing that anymore. So I'll still do the video lives and I'll do all the stuff that they want to do because it is working and they are growing the business and it's cool. But the podcasting, I still have my heart in podcasting. I think podcasting is a great way to get your message out. And when you know that it's a podcast, I think that you explain things differently. So for all those of you who haven't quit the podcast because it's literally sucked the last three or four, 
Um, thank you for not leaving so quickly. And hopefully this gets us back to, I know it's not high quality, but at least it's quality that doesn't offend everybody and doesn't drive you away. So today, yeah, I, 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 talked, I threw out this sort of don't keep your eye on the ball. And this was sort of based on a conversation that I had with my son uh, a while back. And it, well, a few weeks back. And it was interesting because I remember growing up and being his age and younger and always being told, keep your eye on the ball, keep your eye on the ball, keep your eye on the ball. And you know what? It worked. When I kept my eye on the ball and really focused on it, I would hit the ball pretty well. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I didn't understand why, obviously. You know, everybody talks about um, you keep your eye on the ball and that will help you so it doesn't, um, so you don't move your head, so you don't move around as much, so you stay focused. I mean, everybody had these ideas as to what was going on when we said, you know, keep your eye on the ball. But I've learned now, and I think we've all learned, and I definitely, this conversation that I had my, with my son as I was reflecting back, it kind of all came together. And that is when, when we are looking at the ball and really focused on the ball, right, where the ball is, I mean, and my grandfather drove it into our, my head. I mean, I remember him standing there and it was like a Caddyshack moment when you, you, you be the ball, Danny, be the ball. And you're not being the ball, Danny. Well, I, my grandpa was like, look at the ball. Yeah, keep your eye on the ball. Your head's moving. All this stuff. He would grab my head and hold it still. Keep your eyes on the ball. Look at the ball. And it just, it was almost comical. I, I, I did move my head a lot and all of that. But every time I did focus on the ball, I seemed to hit it better. But I always thought it was because I was moving or I had to keep my head still and all this kind of stuff. And we have seen super good players over the years who don't keep their head still, right? David Duvall, you watch him. He, his, his head follows his club. I swear he picks it up like a foot behind the ball and it just goes with, it's gone. I, his head is gone before he hits the ball. Henrik Stenson does it. And I don't know if this is just something the Scandinavians do, right? Because Annika Sorenstam did it. Her head would leave before she hit the ball. So I was like, okay, it's not keep your eye on the ball. That's not what's going on. Okay, it, the, the physical act of keeping your head looking at the ball is not what's going on. That's not what's creating the solid contact because you've got these really good players that don't. Now, some of the pushback I've got on this in the past is, yeah, but they're so good and their swings are so good that they can get away with that. And I would suggest to you, that's total crap. Yes, they're that good. Yes, I realize they're, they're practiced, they're, they're proficient, they're, they're awesome, right? I'm not taking anything away from them. But it's not the fact that they're so good that they can move their head and let it go. It's the fact that their body is performing a very natural motion. So it's going to, it's going to pick up the ball on the way because they trust that motion. So the problem then becomes, that, so you'll be looking at a ball, and here's the problem with looking at a ball. You'll be looking at a ball and saying to yourself, I'm looking at a ball. That's the ball. That's the ball. Well, it works sometimes because if you can get your conscious mind to buy into that and it's focused on the ball and you're looking at the ball and you're not controlling your swing some other way, you're not trying to keep your arm, you're not trying to make your arms straighter or you're not trying to set your wrist, or you're not trying to force your body to do something, you're really just concentrating on the ball, you've now gotten your conscious mind out of the way and your body's just performing naturally. That's why it works. That's why looking at the ball 
works sometimes. But there are some times when you've got people with their heads still and they're looking at the ball and all they're thinking about are a bunch of swing tips and things that they need to do within their swing in order to hit the ball well. And then looking at the ball doesn't do a darn thing for you because you're all up trying to control yourself and you're putting a conscious golf swing on it. And that doesn't get the job done, not naturally and not consistently. So the whole idea of looking at the ball, it really depends on how you look at the ball, if it's going to work for you or not. But it doesn't necessarily have to be the ball. You just have to make sure that your conscious mind is out of it. Now, I have a good friend, Thane. I've talked about him a lot. And I was out playing with him. This was right. This was like before. Um, this was before I really got into uh, working with Fred Shoemaker. So we're talking over a decade ago. And Thane's the one who introduced me to, to Fred Shoemaker. And um, so we were out playing golf, and I was awful. I mean, I was terrible. We were playing up in a tournament. He, uh, he and I had just barely gotten acquainted, and, he and, and I told him that I liked to play golf. I wasn't playing a lot at that time. But he was like, you know, you should come, you know, come play in this tournament with me. I'm like, okay. It was a scramble, so you don't feel a lot of pressure. But I knew I was awful, and I wasn't playing. And so, yeah, this is probably 12, 13 years ago. So I was probably, I don't know, 30 handicap. It was brutal. It was really bad. I went up there. I literally could not make contact with the ball. I was topping them. They were going everywhere. It was humiliating. It was embarrassing. It got to the point where, you know, where your mind just kind of shuts down, where like you were terrified to take the club back because you were just that bad and it was that embarrassing and you just felt sick inside and hate golf. I'm never going to play it again. You know, all of that stuff. Well, Thane, kindly, he is the nicest guy on earth. He pulls me to the side and goes, and he realizes what's going on. And he doesn't have time to explain to me that I'm, I'm trying to force myself. And I am. I'm trying to force myself. I, I'm thinking, do I need to straighten my arm? Do I need to do this? Am I, do I need to shift my weight more? I'm thinking of all the things that I need to try to make myself do so I'm not embarrassed anymore. And I hit something and I contribute somewhat to the team. And he comes to me and pulls me aside. and He goes, look, dude, you're thinking too much. I'm like, you know, people who know me know that that's pretty much impossible, but um, he didn't know me that well. But he, but he said, you're thinking too much. Um, all, all, all I want you to do from now on, all I want you to do from now on is look at the golf ball and try to figure out where the shine is from the sun. And if there's no sun, try to figure out what part of the globe, you know, the number is on. So is it in Hawaii? Is it Japan? Is the number over here? So just something other than, you know, than your golf swing. So he tried to just focus on the ball somewhere and make it interesting. He was just trying to get me out of my, out of my head, get me out of playing conscious golf and start to play subconsciously. I played golf before. I had been okay in high school, but I was not, I was not any good now. And so I did that. I started looking for me. It was a lot easier. Again, I'm not that bright. So trying to figure out, trying to remember where all the countries were on the golf ball, that was just too much effort, right? And, and my brain doesn't like to work. It, it likes to take the day off as much as it possibly can. So that didn't work. But definitely trying to find where the shine was on the ball, like where, where the sun was shining off the golf ball, that was pretty interesting. That was pretty fascinating to me. And it worked. I hit a really good shot the next shot. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And so I played the rest of the round trying to find the shine on the ball. And that was it. No swing shot, no swing thoughts, nothing. Once it worked for me, again, my brain doesn't like to, to work too hard. So, 
my brain was like, okay, yeah, cool. Let's look for the shiny thing. And uh, I played really subconscious golf. It wasn't a lot. I mean, we probably had five or six holes, holes left. But for the rest of that day, even while I was putting, I was looking for the shine on the ball. And that made all the difference. I literally finished out playing decent. For me, really good. And that's, that was sort of my first experience in getting to this place where I was outside of myself. I, I had this, watch the ball. And I remember thinking, you got to keep my head down. Look at the ball. All these things I was trying to force myself to do. But that simple little change where I was, I was still looking at the golf ball. But I was looking for the shine. And it was interesting enough where my, my conscious mind was focused on finding the shine and helping me do that and staying out of the way of my golf swing. And I played nicely for the rest of the day. It's a very similar, I know I've talked about this before, but when my son, I was trying to get this through my oldest son's head and we were talking about it and talking about it and he was playing horribly and awfully and all that. And we get to, on the back nine, hole number 11, it's a par five, he hits a drive and he hits it really well. And he goes, I think, I, I think I'm understanding something. I'm like, okay, just stay away from him and let him go with this. We walk down the fairway together. My other son's with us. It's the three of us. We're getting him ready for high school tryouts. And we're walking along, and it's a par five. He pulls out his hybrid, and he rips a hybrid up onto the green. So now, he, I mean, he's got a putt for eagle now. And I'm looking at him, and he looks over at me, and he's got a little smirk on his face because he knows he's tapped into something. He goes, I think I know what you mean. I'm like, okay, okay, tell me. What do you mean? He's like, all I did that, those two shots, Dad, was listen to the traffic on I-15. We had I-15 passing right by this golf course. He goes, all I did was listen to the traffic. Just tried to pick out the noises in traffic. And I, I hit two really good shots. And he was able to do that the rest of the day. So my, my, my in order to get to a point when we're playing naturally and we're playing ourselves, we're, we're letting our natural ability sort of take over. We're playing subconsciously. We're playing with, we're playing with our soul instead of our conscious mind is we've got to get the conscious mind out of it and distracted. And so talking about this with my other son was a reminder to me. This whole idea, and I'm sure many of you have heard it, keep your head down, focus on the ball, look at the ball. Uh, that's fine if it's pulling you out and taking you to the ball and keeping you outside of your head so you're consciously trying to control your golf swing. If that's not working, and you still are thinking about trying to force yourself to do stuff. And I don't care if it's one swing thought. I, anyway, try to focus on the shine of the ball. I have done this. I actually did this in the club championship when I started to get super nervous. I just focused on the shine of the ball. I had a good buddy of mine that was going into a match, Elliot. And he was going into a match. He was really nervous about it. And he, wasn't, he hadn't been playing very well. And he called me up and he goes, like, what do I do? And I'm like, dude, honestly, just focus on the shine of the golf ball. Just try to find where the, shine, where the sun's shining off the golf ball. And just go with that all day. He played well. He had a good day. Um, I, I, one other uh, buddy of mine who um, won the club championship, I, I gave him the same advice. He was totally nervous going into the final day. And we talked about it. I said, look, dude. Just focus on the shine of the golf ball and you'll play well. And he did and he won it. He was club champion after that. And um, he never sent me any money or anything for it. But so please take this weekend if you're out playing golf and, and you have this idea that you somehow or another need to keep your head down and look at the ball and 
Keeping your head down is a conscious thought. Making yourself keep your head down is a conscious thought. Those are the things that destroy our golf swing. So instead, look down at the golf ball and try to find where, where the sun's hitting it, where it's shiny. Try to find something that's cool about it. If, you don't, if that doesn't work, then look for some blades of grass that are cool or something. But make sure that you are playing subconsciously and see how that goes. And if you want to compare and contrast to not thinking, think consciously and make yourself do something and then try to get, distract yourself and think about the shine on the golf ball or what. The shine on the golf ball is just the easiest one. It really is the easiest one. You still got your head down because you don't want to freak yourself out too much. And we've got these habits. So if you've had a habit of I've got to keep my head down, I've got to keep my head still. Okay, fine then you can still kind of do that without thinking about it by, by focusing on the shine on the golf ball, just finding it and then hitting it and not think about anything else. I would love to hear how it goes. I really would. I think that there's a lot of us here who are listening that could benefit from your experience of just sitting there and letting yourself be you swinging a golf club and taking your conscious mind out of it and letting your subconscious just be awesome. And taking this stupid, brain-dead, moronic conscious mind and keep it out. Because he is a moron. He is a terrible golfer. Anyway, let me know how it goes. Again, Facebook page is probably the easiest way. I see those comments a lot. And um, we have been doing some lives and stuff there. I'm not going to cross-contaminate anymore. The topics that I have on the podcast are going to be different than the topics I have on the live. Um, you guys have my attention. The podcast is my first... My first love is the podcast as far as this golf talk goes. And so this is where I will continue to do it in this manner. And the lives and everything else, they can become their own little thing. But the podcast is going to stay this way. It's just the easiest for me. So hopefully that's helpful. I hope you have a great weekend. And remember, better data always means better golf. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Data Access Golf with Aaron Stewart. Check us out online at dataaccessgolf.com. And we'll see you on the next episode.